All right, it's deciding time. Welcome to Games Beat Decides. This is your weekly podcast for smart discussions about dumb stuff. Um, I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb, and this week we're extra smart because I'm joined by Games Beat lead writer, Dean Takahashi. That's me. Hello. And of course, my cohort and subordinate, Mike Minotti. I always make things extra smarter. Oh, I, I love it, Mike, already. Bringing that heat. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk about Oculus Touch, Last Guardian, PlayStation Experience, and uh, the Game Awards. Probably going to lump those together a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but first, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, as always, you can always get more of us on gamesbeat.com. Uh, email the podcast at games plus the plus sign podcast at venturebeat.com. Uh, and finally, if you uh, like what you're listening to, you can subscribe. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you catch pods. If you have a podcatcher and we're not on there, let me know by emailing gamespluspodcast at venturebeat.com and I'll make sure to get us up on there as soon as possible. Is uh, podcatcher a word? Podcatcher is like the old word. Like that's the word they called it like originally, like before like iTunes. Yeah, like in like 2005, I remember like reading an article about podcatchers and stuff and I was like, huh? But I'm going to keep using it. I'm bringing it back, Mike. I've decided. All right, I believe you. And if people are excited about me bringing it back, go to iTunes, give us a five-star yeah. review. That helps us get uh, new listeners. Uh, it introduces people to the podcast, basically. Um, but yeah, that's the introduction spiel. So guys, uh, let's talk about our last week a little bit. Um, I know you guys both were traveling, so neither of you were on the show last week. Dean, you were in Japan. Mike, you were at Disney World. Uh, yes. How were the trips? Well, Dean's work was probably actually about video games, so I'll, I'll let him kind of talk. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, got invited to give a speech in uh, Japan about the world of gaming, and uh, I got to go uh, there for about four and a half days, minus to travel. I got to go through Tokyo, Fukuoka, and Osaka, and uh, had some nice visits with uh, companies like Square Enix, uh, which was very nice to uh, do the Final Fantasy XV launch while I was there. Yeah, what what was that like to be there for the Final Fantasy fifteen launch, like in Japan as that was happening? Was it were there like lines and stuff? Did you see that stuff? Uh, yeah, there were lines. It was kind of like going to Man's uh, Chinese Theater in Hollywood uh, for a premiere of a, a big movie like uh, Star Wars. I mean, it's a it's a big deal to them, and um, they had the CEO of the company, a bunch of actors and actresses and comedians, and uh, they had uh, the uh, director of the game. Uh, he was there and uh, there were like dozens and dozens of photographers from Japanese press uh, Mike, but you, you went to a Disney World that's not gaming related necessarily but did you do any gaming while you were traveling? Um, you know, not a whole ton I kind of thought that I would be playing a lot of Pokemon during the trip and I, I barely really touched that at all um, I, my kind of go-to these days when I'm playing anything while I'm traveling is just Smash Brothers just because it's easy to just play like a couple, little yeah, computer player and it's kind of fun. The one thing I saw that might be of interest maybe to Dino is because Dean, I think you wrote about that um that drone show that they were doing at Disney World, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 yeah so I, I got I got to see it. It was really cool. Who I, I forget who was who did the technology behind in, that? In, Intel does it. Intel does oh, it. Right. I actually got I got I think I looked up videos last week of this uh and actually got routed to our article on VentureBeat uh, because mm -hmm. I was like interested in it. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Intel can do up to like ten thousand, but I think the Disney show has like five hundred like yeah. light up LED drones. So yeah, all this thing is is it's like a show over water, and you they kind of do it over water set. If a drone falls, you know, it just falls into water. But um, and, you know, the drones are nothing more than lights, basically, and the lights can change color and whatnot. But they kind of move around each other to make these formations. Uh, 
And yeah, it's all synchronized. It was really cool. And it's pretty obvious to me that this is like a testing ground for whatever the next Epcot night show is going to be. Because they've had the same one there for uh, about 16 years now. And But yeah, did, so. did the shapes, did they look realistic? That's what I was wondering. Like in Realistic person, may not be the word. Um, yeah, sometimes I, they were much more... Like sometimes it would make like an actual outline of something. Uh, more often than not, it was almost a bit more uh, like a symbolic kind of thing or kind of abstract. Well, yeah, especially and like I said, I, I'm, I'm I'm you know without actually being certain, like if this is an Epcot thing over their water, that's looked at you know at 360 degree angle, so you won't really be able to do shapes right. If you want to do shapes like like that, people have to be looking at it kind of from the same place or mm-hmm. it has to be that, something. Yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. It had to be like in a prime location mm-hmm. and how they're going to handle that. But it was really cool looking. I mean, it was like definitely something you watch. You're like, oh, this is like some future stuff right here. This is neat. Excellent. Um, I think for me, I mostly just spent the weekend getting ready for the baby mostly, but uh, I tried to play <laughs> some games. I, I had to play a ton of last guardian. I did that review that went up today. Um, I like it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, also Oculus touch. I did that as well. So it was a lot of that and then, you know, nesting and things like that. But I, with that out of the way, I guess we can kind of jump into that first topic. Um, and this is going to be virtual reality, Oculus Touch. Um, the, the, the topic, the su- subject that we're going to discuss is do Oculus Rift owners need to get Oculus Touch? But we can go a bit broader than that as well. Um, for people that don't know, this is uh, Oculus's like motion track controllers. And I have them. There we go. Yeah. Right there, uh, it's kind of like loop de loops. They fit around your hand really nicely. Oh, this is the left hand. Like there's one for each hand. Uh, they're two hundred dollars, and they kind of provide the same functionality as the Vive's wands that came included with the Vive, uh, with a few more bonuses, a few more features that are neat. Uh, but at this point, it is kind of you kind of one thing you do notice is that a lot of the games either don't support it, or if they do, they don't take full advantage of it. So, Jason, you've used these a little bit. I'm wondering. What's your thoughts? Do Oculus Rift or Dean? I'm sorry. He's, he's messaging Jason over here in the, in our chat for work. And so I'm seeing Dean and he brought up Jason. So my wires got crossed. Um, Dean, do you think that Oculus Rift owners need to get a touch right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of a very incomplete system without it right now. And, uh, I think if you, if you just want to be able to take advantage of full advantage of the system, then you gotta have it. You know, it is a bit of a problem that not every game supports it, and uh, there's a smaller universe of games that are going to be available on it. But, you know, the, the games that are uh, using it, I, I think the ones that are coming are the best uh, so far. So it's kind of a no-brainer for me. And, I, I mean, I guess I'll t- touch on some of the other things it's capable of. So, of course, it can do positional tracking and, like, motion tracking, like you flick it or whatever. Um, it also has analog sticks and buttons on the front and menu buttons. Uh, but it also has these sensors, so it could kind of tell where your fingers are resting. So if I try to do this, if I put my thumb down like this and I don't even press a button, like in-game, the in-game representation of my hand will make it look like my thumb is resting down. And then if I give a thumbs up, it'll know that's happening and my character will give a thumbs up. It does the same with the index finger, if I point. So you get a lot more uh, gestures and body language. Yeah. It's weird how that's almost the coolest part, right? Like, yes. I, and I don't, I don't know one of these things, but just in my playthroughs uh, or my demos and stuff, like that's like you know when you're like holding a gun and like your fingers are like where they would be, right? Like whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, this kind of just helps sell the whole idea much more. And but that's the I think that's one of the things that uh, makes me want to hesitate is that's the coolest part, but 
really there's only like a couple of games that take full advantage of like finger tracking. Uh, and you get mo- most of that is like in the main menu. Like when you're in the menu, like picking a game, your hands are there and you get the full advantage of like pointing and thumbs up. But then when you go into like a game like Rec Room, which is on HTC Vive, now it's here, you still just have these big mitts that just do this. And they didn't like do the work to like, and maybe they don't want to, maybe that's not the game they're making. But a lot of games are like that where you just have a big mitt that just grabs things and now you have that functionality, but you don't have the finger pointing. And that's like, I'm like, oh, $200 for that. I'm not sure if that's necessarily worth it. But it, you do, like, Dean, you're right. You do need these for, for a lot of the best upcoming games. You're already pretty invested at this point, you know? <laughs> that's true. So that is the other issue is if you are $600 invested in a Rift, I kind of think you have to get it almost. Uh, and that's not just because, you know, it's, it does these interesting things. Uh, the Rift and the Touch work really well with HTC Vive games on Steam VR. So you could play all those games now that have kind of been cordoned off from you because you didn't have motion controllers. You could buy them, boot them up, and they will work just like that with your Oculus Rift and Touch. So it's kind of this uh, give or take. Uh, I think I would lean towards if you already own a Rift, definitely get it. If you don't, it's it's probably like, I, I don't know, you can go with this or the Vive. Both are $800 now if you include the controllers. And, and and so you can kind of go either way or just wait and see until like the next generation of VR and controllers. Right. Especially with the next generation, you probably, especially for Oculus, you assume that the touch would be a bundled thing at that point. Right. Right. Yep. And then um, I, I, I'm not sure if there's much else to say. I, I think in, in, in if we're just discussing whether or not owners need to get it, it's yes. Um but I do want to point out that uh, that I think it's interesting that Steam VR games work just naturally with this. It almost makes me think that if you are going to invest in VR, you can go with the Oculus Rift and the Touch now as like the number one choice because everything will work on there except for PlayStation VR games, obviously. Right. But you can get you know all the Oculus Rift exclusives, and then you can get all these Steam VR experiments and weird little indie games, and everything just works. Uh, so, in, in like, if you buy like multi-platform games, you should just be buying them on the Steam uh, store because then you are, are kind of guaranteed they're going to work no matter what you plug into your system, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Dean, any other thoughts on this? Well, I think uh, I, I'm curious which games you thought were the best ones. Uh, you know, I thought that uh, Dead and Buried is uh, the one that I've seen the most previews that I've enjoyed the most. And, you know, that's like the two-on-two uh, saloon shootout game. Uh, so I thought the shooter games are actually uh, among the best that could make use of the touch. Yeah, I I uh, really liked uh, VR Sports Challenge. That's one that actually does bring in your your fingers and stuff. Like for example, uh, there's this dunking mode where you can throw the ball up in the air, grab it, or throw throw the ball up in the air, and then like hold your finger out and spin the ball on your finger as you're going up to the hoop, and you know toss it behind your back and all that stuff. And having <laughs> that manual dexterity of being able to do that actually matters in that sort of like slowed down dunk situation. Um, but it's like, you know, otherwise that game is very much just like VR's Wii Sports, which is something that I think other game, other companies have tried, but I think this is like the best example of it. Um, there's this really great mini game where you are uh, playing football and, you know, you're the quarterback, you, you hike the ball to yourself um, and then you, you know, you choose a, a wide receiver, you throw it to him and then the, the game snaps you over to the wide receiver and you catch the ball and it sounds that it sound like disorienting, but it's actually awesome. It's very cool to be in like these like fourth down situations where you have to like make the play and you're doing both sides of it. It really comes together well and it's and it only works because now they have these controllers. 
But um, I, th- I think oh, like one of the big tests now is is like in the next few few weeks, are you going to use it? Or are you going to go play all the console games that are coming? Uh, are you going to keep playing Call of Duty? Are you going to go play Steep? Or are you going to play uh, The Last Guardian? Like, there's so much competition. I mean, that's been the problem all year for VR, right? Is that the software yeah. just really isn't exciting enough compared to kind of just what you're getting, getting on the more traditional game platforms. And I don't know if, you know, this controller is immediately solving that issue. It definitely could help in the future. But, yeah, it's not like all of a sudden... If you were on the fence about VR, I don't think it's all of a sudden like, oh yeah, there's a touch controller now, we're good. I would uh I would say that it creates the possibility for better online multiplayer social games, which I think are the most exciting things that VR are doing, like Rec Room I keep bringing up. It's a game where you just go online, you're playing games with other people in like a connected multiplayer world. Um and having motion controls is crucial to that because you want to be able to gesture, you want to be able to point and you know, give the thumbs up to someone to let them know, hey, you're cool or whatever. Um, but then at the same time, like we played some VR games, like, uh, at my Thanksgiving get together. And, you know, we talked about this two, two weeks ago, Mike, when uh, we were talking about what games we we're going to play. I did pl- play both Overcooked, uh, and, uh, Keep Talking, Nobody Explodes, uh, and a few others, but those were the two most popular ones. But I think Overcooked on the console, which is just this four player cooking game where everyone has to take their stations in a kitchen. I think that was more popular than even like, than mm-hmm. Keep Talking and No One Explodes because we were all working together. We could all see each other. Uh, you didn't even have to like look directly at each other because you're in your peripheral and you could see people like getting excited and things like that. And that is something that I think VR does miss. And it make, it is very isolating even when you are taking turns in a party scenario. So it just, and that's just one example of why I might continue to choose console games over VR in the near future, at least. So, so yeah. So all right, guys. I think we've decided, right? Yeah, we decided. Yeah, get one if you already have a if you already have a rift. Otherwise, I think just continue to wait. You're making the right decision there. Um, so Last Guardian. That's what we're moving on to next. Um, I've played or reviewed this. I think Dean, you have played it, and Mike, you are going to get it. Right? Is that right, everyone? Yeah, I, I have an advanced copy that I just haven't been able to touch because I've been traveling last week. Okay. So the question is: Was the Last Guardian worth the wait? Yes. I'm like. <laughs> Mike, Mike answered it. There we go. Mike, you, you haven't played it, but I know you're a fan of this developer. You like Shadow of the Colossus a lot. Why don't you kind of ask us oh. what you're wondering about it? Uh, oh, um, well, I, I guess, you know, does it just kind of feel like, you know, the third game in that trilogy, which, you know, those other two games were PlayStation 2 games. Does it really feel like a very, you know, like that next game? Or does it feel like some sort of a next step, you know, two console cycles later that maybe you would expect uh, or yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Does it feel like a PlayStation 2 game? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, I saw a tweet from that like fake Kaz Harai account on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it says it perfectly. It was for the Last Guardian. This is not like the first release. We actually just skipped the first release and went right to the remaster. <laughs> and <laughs> that like that is pretty. Yeah, it feels like that's a PlayStation funny. 2 game that's been remastered. And that is not necessarily a bad thing because yeah. think think of all the kinds of PlayStation 2 games that we got. And compare that to the variety or lack thereof of, you know, PlayStation 4 or Xbox One games. We get a lot of shooters. It's 2016, like five different, like, high-quality shooters. We get some other things in between. Maybe Steep is worth talking about. Watch Dogs 2 is an open-world game. We get a ton of those. Um, we, we just don't get this, like, weird variety of, like, com- of big companies trying these AAA, 
like weird right. experiments. And this feels like that. And it feels refreshing because it's something that doesn't get made anymore. Yeah. I think it's probably a big help that, you know, you could say, I like, oh, this is similar to those, but we haven't really had very many games like Shadow of the Colossus or Eco since those games came out, really. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's what's your hard kind of, uh, uh, it's very hard to get this right, I think, you know, just to make the, uh, the creature feel like it's uh, your companion and that it's going to, uh, you know, kind of respond to the things that you suggest to it or you try to get it to do, but it's not going to do that all the time. Um, so it's, um, you know, it, it, it does seem to at least show that this companion of yours has a mind of its own, uh, but... Uh, can lead to very <laughs> frustrating uh, gameplay, I guess. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Let, let's yeah. talk about that a little bit, actually. So what, so what I've discovered is I really liked the way that Trico, which is the giant bird, dog, cat creature, we haven't decided exactly what it is. Um, that's, name, that's the name of that creature. And I really liked the way that it behaved like an animal. It's believable in that uh, it, it's doing its own thing. It has its own wants and desires. Uh, but it can also be communicated with on a basic level and it will also begin to become affectionate towards you because most of the time you're feeding it, feeding it and it really likes that. And so it gets connected to you in the way that, you know, just about any animal, at least any domesticated animal would behave. Um, and since that's the relationship most people have with, with animals, um, that is something that I, I immediately recognized and appreciated. But you're right. That AI does sometimes get frustrating when, you know, there's this mechanic where you're supposed to command Trico and you're pointing and saying, okay, go over there and then jump. And he'll kind of walk in the direction you're pointing, uh, but then he'll get like stuck on something or he'll like look around and it doesn't like, it just feels like he's being dumb, which so it kind of keeps in, in uh, it stays in that context of this is just an animal. Uh, but sometimes it does cross that line over into being like, oh, this is just a, a bad or a bad uh, part of the game where where the mechanics they built aren't working. Now, um, and when you see that, that's when it's disappointing. So is this more like Eco than Shadow of the Colossus? Because it kind of sounds like that. It is. So Shadow of the Colossus was a game where you explored this world to find these giant beasts. You found the beast, you climbed them, and you killed them. Right? Is it? Would you say that's yeah. about right? Yeah. Ico is a, a, an environmental puzzle game where you and this have this uh, kind of uh, ethereal girl who you have to like pull through this environment and solve these environmental puzzles to get out. While these kind of weird combat moments happen, where you have to like kind of mostly avoid them or whatever, and that is this game uh, where you are guiding Trico through these puzzles where you and Trico both have to get past. So like you're small, you're a little boy. He's a big bird. You have to not, he's not Big Bird, but you have to get through like, uh, you know, a gate. It'd be was. <laughs> It'd be, man, I was just on PC because that mod would be the best. Yeah, right. um, so yeah, you, you can get through like these little tunnels. He's got to like jump over something, but you'll, you both have to do something to, you know, get, get that environment to like, to be in that prime state so that you could pass. Um, and so, yeah, in that way, it feels way more like Ico, but you are also climbing on top of this giant beast who's like, you know, who's big and violent uh, towards other things, not necessarily you. Uh, so there is some Shadow of the Colossus, but it's not a lot. Hmm. So the question is, was it worth the wait? And that's a very hard question to answer, I think, because everyone's <laughs> going to have a different feeling on this. I think for me, the answer is yes, but not because it's some mind-blowing experience. It's because they delivered on that original promise from forever ago. I didn't necessarily buy into the hype over the last couple of years, even if I did early on. So I wasn't expecting 
like a uh, I wasn't even expecting like a game of the year contender personally. I was just expecting a solid kind of throwback title. And I think that's what they delivered here. Something that feels almost like it became unstuck from time and got released now instead. And I, I appreciate that and I'm happy to play that in this like 2016 where everything else is a shooter. I would kind of agree. Uh, you know, I, I would also point out, though, that like, you know, it took 10 years to make Final Fantasy 15. And that, uh, from what I can tell, I haven't played that one, but from what I can tell, that one looks you know amazing as a it's mm-hmm. not held back uh, by some sort of ancient uh, view of uh, of how graphics should look <laughs> in a in a game, and um, you know I I do like uh, the gameplay I think more in this one, and it's it's very unique compared to a lot of other titles that have come out this year, and I like that. Uh, but the the graphics are um, so. I retro. I actually like the way it looks. <laughs> They're retro, but they kind of um, so they they look simple and they look like they've had a bunch of filters of modern filters placed on top of them. Um, you know, they there's like light bloom, and the characters um, their their edges are very fuzzy, but in a way that I find appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the animation is very good. The feathers on Trico have this sort of um, this look where they they are almost in like. Uh, they're not like they're not physical like they're just sort of the they're kind of fluttering uh, in this in-between state um and i think the art is is gorgeous uh so is there's is it just the the graphical like it's not it isn't final fantasy 15 is that your problem uh yeah i mean it's really well, uh just uh like you know if, if you're gonna take a decade to make a game i'd rather see it come out looking like final fantasy 15 and well, I think not, Final Fantasy oh, 15 has a benefit because I'm, I'm pretty sure when they moved that to PlayStation 4, they just rebooted it, right? They, right. they pretty much started over, at least technically. Whereas I think Shadow Claws or Shadow is the Last Guardian was kind of just you know brought over from whatever they had on PlayStation 3 and kind of moved to PlayStation 4 without too much being changed. And and this is not, I mean, it's closer to the Final Fantasy side of the spectrum than it is to Duke Nukem Forever, like <laughs> like these are games That's that took it. long times that a long time to make, and I think that. Yeah, the Last Guardian looks way better than it could have. Uh, I think it looks pretty, and most for the most part. But again, whether or not it's worth the wait, it, for me, yes, it was. It definitely is. It's it's something that I wanted. It's perfect for this time of year. This kind of break from everything else I'm playing. So I'm going to say that it was definitely worth the wait. Uh, Dean, I'm let you have your say as well. Uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, worth the wait. I mean. Uh... I just wish that they, you know, put a little bit more beauty into the art of the characters as they did into the art of the environment. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to our kind of our last two topics, which we're going to lump together. Um, what were the biggest announcements at PSX and the Game Awards? We're going to use this topic to, to kind of talk about some of the stuff that got announced. Um, is there anything that stuck out to you, though, though Mike? Well, I mean, I think the Last Guardian Two was the biggest announcement. It was nope. certainly treated as much. Nope. Oh, well, what are you excited about, Jeff? No, no. Well, I, no. You said the Last Guardian Two. <laughs> oh my God! I don't think they're going to do that. I one was just sending the wrong names. Everything. The the Last of Us. That one has both the last in it. Yeah. Yep. That'd be funny. Wouldn't that have been funny though if they announced the Last Guardian Two? Oh, that would have that would have been hilarious. Yes, I would have been like, <laughs> so, okay, me back here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, the Last of Us Two is definitely the biggest announcement. I don't, I don't think you can argue that. Um, I, I didn't watch the, the, uh, 
the Game Awards. I watched PSX. Uh, but what was big at the Game Awards? Were there were there anything? Did anything stand out there? Not really, I mean, we we saw that the Telltale thing is actually uh, wow. Guardians, which we and all I, knew. I, I like Telltale, and I'm glad they're uh, just they taking taking stuff and keep they keep making games, uh, sure. making their stuff like like television shows. Uh, it's fine. It's whatever. It's like comic books uh, at this point. I I like that, but yeah, that's not as exciting as the, the new Death Stranding stuff. trailer was probably the coolest thing from that show. Cause that okay, well, let's neat. let's talk about this game first, just real quick. <laughs> what what the hell? It's That's gonna my be question. some sort of weird, like silent. It's still very much kind of almost has a Silent Hill vibe, doesn't it? Where everything's kind of ethereal and weird. Yeah, well, it looks like a horror game uh, more than like a military I, I, game. I think that's what it's probably gonna be. Maybe. Dude, I kind of am at, at this point where I love the trailers for Hideo Kojima games and like, the build-up <laughs> more than the games themselves. Now, Metal Gear Solid Five was a very good game. I didn't play a ton of it, but I played a bunch. It's very good. But this sort of build up where people are like team fake, team real, if you remember that from Metal Gear Solid Five, like whether or not like this person in an interview was like real or CGI. Oh, um, yeah. And now bringing in like Guillermo del Toro, like to like as a surprise reveal in this game, who's like the director of a, a couple of good movies. I'm, I'm struggling to remember like one of the Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, yeah, Pan's Hellboy. Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah, Hellboy, exactly. And he was going to work with Hideo on Silent Hills. Uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, or whatever, with uh, Konami. Uh, and that game got canceled. And to kind of have him come out and be in this game all of a sudden was was kind of a shock. And then later that night, Guillermo del Toro was like, fuck Konami in a tweet, which was just, that was the best thing of the weekend, <laughs> I think. I, I was like, yeah, okay. Guillermo del Toro, to, del Toro doesn't care. I have to head out uh, in a sec. Sorry about that. But uh, I, yeah, I, no I do worries. think The Last of Us was uh, very interesting. Um, that they, they called it part two because... Um, to me, it felt like that they had a very good ending for The Last of Us. Um, you know, it did oh. it it did sort of leave you with um, what's going to happen with these characters next. Uh, but uh, I thought they did such such a good job in The Last of Us of showing you like a first scene and then so showing you a last scene and then comparing you know what happened in in the beginning to what happened in the end. And so now we find out that. It's like just the middle of the story, <laughs> you know, and that uh, part two is still coming. So, you know, maybe that's the way sequels are. Uh, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I just think the naming of the title itself, uh, part two, well, is kind of funny just because I felt like part one was so complete. I did see yeah. a lot of people talking about the, the they were surprised by it being a sequel. Mike, I mean, you seem excited about this without reservation. What's your kind of take on it? Um I guess I always kind of cynically knew that they were going to make a sequel, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> Last of Us sold like 8 million copies or whatever. It was one of the best-selling games um, on the PlayStation 3. It was going to happen. So I, I know, you know, sure, the story was fine. Maybe it should have been let alone. We say that about a lot of things. You, you know, you can't leave well enough alone. So you just kind of have to hope, yeah, maybe they'll, it'll be fine. And then, you know, I liked uh, Last of Us. It was a very great game. Well, one of the best games in some time. So sure, you know. And I think I think you can hey, figure out something game. to do with that story. Yeah, Dean loves it. I'm sure there's you know there there's without going much, there's still some questions that were left, right? And I do like this idea of kind of leaving it on the note it was left on, and I get that. Um But I'm also one of those people like if if, if a sequel comes out to something that I like and it's not good, I don't let it tarnish the original for me in some way. So in no way like the worst case scenario, right, is the last of us two is somehow bad which I find hard to believe or, you know, mm -hmm. has a bad story that wouldn't mess up whatever the last of us one did for me. And, and you, um, 
and you're okay with it being like the same characters as well, right? Like, you know what? If you're going to do it, I think you should do the same characters, right? I mean, I, I, I don't really have much of an interest. I mean, I don't know if it was really about the quote unquote world for me, right? I think we can mm-hmm. say that about a lot of the Naughty Dog games, like you know, uh, Uncharted. It, I don't love it just because it's you know treasure hunting, whatever. I like those characters. Um, same thing with The Last of Us. What I liked about that game was Ellie and Joel. I don't need to see like two other people walking through a zombie area. The fact that it was a zombie game was like my least favorite part. I typically mm-hmm. hate zombie stuff, mm-hmm. but you know it's because it was those strong Naughty Dog characters that I liked it. And yeah, sure, maybe they could have done new characters who like you know run into Ellie at one section, and isn't that fun? But Nah, I'd rather just kind of stick around with these people. I, yeah, I think I get that vibe too. They're going kind of walking, telltale walking dead on us. All right. Okay. Thanks for uh, joining us, Dean. We will uh, finish this without you. You go. And I'm going to probably replace you with a funny picture or something. So, yeah. Yep, have a good one, man. All right, Mike. Then what about neck two? How is that not the biggest <laughs> announcement? Oh, wait, that, was a, that was a bit more surprising. I think I, like a lot of PlayStation 4 early adopters, I had Knack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I played some of it, and I never, I didn't hate it, but I just never got very far in it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I, I don't know. Why, why the hell not? Sure, make a Knack too. Yep, yeah, I, I was kind of stunned at that, almost. But right. at the same point, like, it reminds me of, like, uh, Red Steel 2. Like, it was a launch game, people bought it, so, of course, we got a sequel. Um, like, I, I I guess, I thought it had been long enough and they hadn't announced it that we wouldn't get one. Right, I am I, su- surprised if they're going to do it, that it kind of took this long. I mean, there was a sequel to Blink's the Time Sweeper, right? So, if Blink's the Time Sweeper gets a sequel, then sure. Fix this. Give Knack one. Yeah, Um. and then, let's see, what else? Uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom. Or not ultimate, but um, Marvel vs. Capcom, Capcom Infinite. Infinite. That's right. That's yeah. pretty. I like I like that series a lot. Um, I I didn't really think we would ever get another one, so that's that's kind of cool. Um, it's interesting that's two v two battles again. I know there's all those rumors about the X Men not being in it as much because they're focusing on the like the move like the Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, which you can kind of already tell just from the trailer, right? Because they're all using the Infinity Stones. Oh yeah, and yeah, totally. All this stuff, right? And that's fine in a way, huh? You know, whatever. Just be interesting to see how it goes. At least this one has a Mega Man character in it. Like, you know, not just Zero. Like, an actual Mega Man. It's Ultimate Mar- Mega Marvel vs. Capcom 3 didn't have Mega Man? No, yeah, it didn't. It just had Zero. I wonder if that was, was because they were working with Nintendo. That, that timing doesn't no, work out. That was, it was way too before. early. It was, be- it was the weirdest roster thing to me I've seen since uh, Scorpion wasn't in Mortal Kombat 3. Right. It was very strange. Like, Marvel vs. Capcom, no Mega Man. It was, like, right when, um, like, uh, Inafune had left Capcom and they were, like, canceling those Mega Man games. And, like, it was like this. Remember, like, for a little bit, they had this really weird, like, we're not promoting Mega Man because that'll show him. And I'm like, guys, right, you yeah. own Mega Man. You're, <laughs> you're hurting yourselves. That doesn't make any sense anymore. Like, that was ah. a that was really dumb. I never got that, and they they're still pretty dumb. Capcom, they haven't got much smarter, but at least they put Mega Man in this game. Yes, at least it's a man. It's not the classic Mega Man, which I'd have liked a little bit more. But Mega Man mm-hmm. X is pretty good, and we haven't seen him in a fighting game actually yet, so that's that's neat. But on, on this though, do you think is it, it's kind of weird that they? I mean, it's not weird. I get why they did it, but it's still kind of weird that they announced this with Street Fighter Five still in the state that it's in. Uh, a lot of people seem to think Street Fighter Five is kind of half finished still it's been almost a year yeah 
Well, this time they said with this game what it's launching with. Well, I don't know if they say it's launching, but it's going to have a campaign and all this stuff. I'm sure it's going to have a very similar character structure, right? Where you're going to have these characters kind of slowly rolled out for it, which I'm not. For some reason, I like that in like an Overwatch and in a Street Fighter. It just seems kind of strange. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wonder what that is. I, I think because uh, upsetting the meta in an Overwatch game kind of makes some sense because most of us are playing it casually. I think maybe you play a fighting game a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. That might be it. Um, were there any other big announcements? I guess like the Uncharted standalone chapter, Lost Legacy. Yeah, that, what do seems, you think about that? that? I think that's cool. I mean, it's basically like at a kind of an expansion, but you know, it's what's it's standalone technically, but it's, you know, just taking the same engine and, and whatnot, kind of probably just getting a lot of that team. Like, okay, let's just make this little, probably like what three hour long adventure. I assume with, with uh, Chloe, a character who didn't show up in Uncharted 4. So, I mean, Hey, I love Uncharted. I'm down for it. Yeah. And I think it's smart that they're doing it as a standalone thing. It's probably going to be like sure. 20 bucks. It's kind of um, like that infamous, um, right. Last I, I was called. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. But Very similar that, kind of thing. More of that would be cool, because that's how you should do DLC, because selling DLC to the small, like a fraction of the people that bought the last game probably doesn't work. You're gonna, probably going to get a lot more people who are willing to spend 20 bucks on something smaller. Um, trying to think if there's any other games that kind of jumped out. Um, I'm still just Knack 2, man. That's my game. Knack <laughs> 2. Well, 2 is like the greatest game ever. <laughs> that, would be, that would be really funny, and I would actually love that. Um, um they're bringing back like Parappa and Loco Roco. Yeah, Parappa we got on. to see the Crash Bandicoot remaster, which I actually thought looked oh, yeah. pretty cool. That looks nice. I'm like excited to actually play that. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking that I would care, and I, now seeing it and seeing how good it looks, it's like oh yeah, and especially playing the level in um uh, that uh that in Uncharted, Uncharted, where they give you the chance to like actually go back and play that. I'm like oh yeah, these games were like really interesting and different. I've actually been playing uh, through those first three games on the original PlayStation. Um, just for fun, and it has been really neat. Right? Those are fun games, and it's you know it's interesting because at the time you can almost knock them for being simple when like the other early 3D platformers were being a lot more uh, sort of experimental, right? Like like Crash Bandicoot is basically a 2D platformer with an, an extra axis, right. and sometimes it is just a 2D platformer, right? Yeah, it shifts to that quite often, right? Yeah. So at the time, I was like, this isn't ambitious enough. But now it's like a lot of that stuff has aged much better than mm-hmm. like Glover. On right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it's fun to play through now. So I think the expand, I think those remasters will be a good buy. All right. Before we end, I want to go back to Death Stranding a little bit more and ask yep. you if you are OK with these with companies kind of showing these games like this, like so far in advanced, like Sony's like only now just coming off of The Last Guardian. Um, Square Enix is only just now coming out of Final Fantasy 15. It feels like putting yourself in a situation where where you're showing off games like Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Square Enix is going to be right back in that same situation where they've promised this thing, they've showed it, uh, they've got they've generated hype and got people excited. And who knows when the hell that game's coming out? We haven't seen anything about Final Fantasy 7 Remake since 2015, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean they kind of. They kind of get into this problem themselves, though, right? Especially yeah. the Final Fantasy VII remake. You know, people were asking for it, asking for it, asking for it, and maybe they could have got away with it. But then they had that—I forget if it was at an E3 or what, where they showed it was. At, it like, was at the first PSX in twenty fourteen. Yeah, I was there. I remember that yeah. about like, oh, here comes Final Fantasy VII. It was just like it's, it was on PSN, the original version. Yeah, it was like the PC it. version had gotten right. ported or whatever. And yeah. it was kind of like people were literally just turning against them for not making something, so they just had to be like, yes, we are making it. Here's a video. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And then, like, say with Kingdom Hearts 3, right, where people have been waiting for that game announcement for so long that it was just feeling like you need to give some sort of assurance that it is happening. Um, so I, a part of it is just, I, I guess, mismanagement of just maybe these games well, should have been made or started sooner. It's also it's what gamers want, though. Like uh, you see people's reaction to the PSX. Uh, like Death Stranding was everyone's like, well, a lot of people's favorite thing that they saw. They're like, yeah, that was great. Like we didn't see what the hell it is. We don't know when it's coming out. It's probably not going to be ready for a couple of years. But it's our favorite thing because it got us hype. It got us excited. And pe- that's what people want from these events, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have a huge problem with that. You know, no, whatever, yeah, if you I, want to do a slow burn on releasing stuff, it's fine. It is weird because we are at a time now where it's not like, – it used to always be like that. When I were at this time where, you know, you can have Fallout 4 announced and it's out in six months, right? Right. Even the Nintendo Switch, like we just finally saw what that thing is and it's going to be out, you know, not too long. Yeah, I, I just think it's um, the only people I would like kind of put it on is probably gamers because gamers will get on one hand, they get they like demand this stuff. They're like, it's only a good E3 if it's just big announcement after big announcement like that. Mm-hmm. But the best E3 was the one where they had Shinmu 3. They had a uh, Final Fantasy 7 remake and no uh, Last Guardian. It's like, OK, Last Guardian came out. Who knows if those other two games like it will even make make it out in time for the PlayStation 4. Um so but they are the, right in a way that was a great E3. Like I, I no, kind of get it. I kind of no, no, I, like, that's, that's I agree. Fun and exciting. I agree. But then on the other hand, like people are like, okay, we have to sue No Man's Sky for false advertising because well, in 2013 they showed a trailer. Like I mean, it, it, but you hear it for a lot of from, from the same quarters. Not everyone's saying that, but some are like, okay, well, you know, Hello Games lied. We should uh, pursue them legal action for false advertising. And it's like, well, no, you guys want trailers early. You want to see these things, and, and that's sometimes it's going to, you know, they're going to come up with ideas, put them in the trailer, and it's not going to pan out. And it's like, so you can't have it both ways. That would be my only issue. Sure. All right, Mike. Um, I think that wraps it up. Is there anything else from the um, the awards or PSX that kind of stuck out to you? What do you think about Overwatch's Game of the Year? I think it, you were fine with that. Oh, yeah. I I'm am. pretty fine um, with that. I, uh, I think it might be up. And it's going to be my top three for sure. I haven't I haven't laid out my list yet. We'll 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 do a podcast on that. Uh, but if it like I'm just gonna say if it were to end up as our game of the year, yeah, totally. So one one more thing I want to ask you. I know like two weeks ago when I I wasn't allowed to say I was playing Final Fantasy 15, right. uh, and we were kind of talking about it. you're kind of down on the thing in general. I felt like you were skeptical that it would be any good. Now mm-hmm. that you are hearing some impressions, are you interested at all in it? Yeah, I really want to get it now. That's I funny. it's That's it good. sounds yeah, it sounds like the kind of game that I could actually enjoy. Um I I don't know what it is. I think it might be the the characters and the way that they interact with each other that people keep talking up. I'm like, okay, I could play a a game where that's happening yeah, and I'm doing some other part. stuff that maybe I don't always love. Um but I'll I'll enjoy it enough while these cool characters are kind of just being cool around mm-hmm. me the entire time. So, it's definitely one that now that I finished Last Guardian, um I think I might end up getting. So, so yeah. Are there any? Are you kind of like in this thing now where you're like, oh my god, we have to do game of the year stuff, and there's some games I haven't played, and I yeah. probably really should. Yeah, totally. Um, Final Fantasy is one. I'm like, oh man, who knows if that's going to happen by the time that happens? But uh, yeah, and there's then, a couple others for sure. And then there's like ones that like I like want to play, but like I don't know if they're really game of the year conversation. Like it seems like um, that new Deus Ex really kind of came out and disappeared pretty quickly. Th- that, didn't that, it? that that was one of the big AAA games that I think really missed because uh, I I didn't play it. 
But then I, nothing that happened around it gave me the, the idea that I missed I felt anything. like nothing happened around it. I feel like it right. literally just came out. Everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and everyone I think, moved on. Like, the only people that, that I saw playing it were the people that reviewed it. And then they stopped talking about it. And then no one else was like, oh, here's a cool thing I didn't do at Deus Ex. I didn't see anything like that. So, yeah. yeah no, it was kind of strange. And then, um, like, one that was reviewed very well that I really do want to get to is Dishonored 2. But, like... That was another one where it already does feel like people have kind of moved on from it, right? I I see more discussion about that than Deus Ex. More so than Deus Ex, sure. A little bit. I'm like, I'm interested. I'm going to like, I'm going to take a look at Metacritic and see what the high scores are for this year. Oh, yeah. I think the score, I think think that was in the 90s, uh, Dishonored. Oh, no. Yeah. Dishonored, I think, is like one of the highest ranked games of the year. I am not loving it. I got, um, I was supposed to do the review and I got to a point where I uh, ran into a bug and the bug happened in a level after I had been playing for like four hours, not the level. I wasn't playing the level for four, 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 four hours, but the last time I saved had been four hours and you can't restart the stage. You can't like, uh, if you load a last checkpoint, it didn't fix the bug. So I had to like replay a ton and I just got so frustrated with it. Cause I was already not really enjoying the, um, the environment that we, we talked about that. So it's not one that's going to be on my list. Uh, I don't think even once I do finish it, um, overcooked is one like, yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned that a couple times. That's one you should try to play if you can like get some, some of your friends over and play that one. But other than that, I'm not seeing a ton that, that stand out. You have to play Titanfall too. I know you haven't played that. Yeah. I'm planning to do that. Uh, finally, cause I was playing, I mean, I'll tell you what though, like I'm still playing Final Fantasy 15 sometimes. Like I, and you, fun. you like beat the game. Like you finished oh, it. I finally beat it um, before I left on the trip. And that was an interesting week. Cause you know, I had to, I was going to be gone. So I was like. Just kind of racing, not racing through it, but I was spending just a lot of time playing mm-hmm. it. But yeah, even you know, usually I would kind of get sick of something after that. But you know, I still there's all these other quests that I still kind of want to do. So yeah, yeah, that that I will have to try that at least. Um, and then Inside, I think is the other one I want to try to play. Inside was like, like the one game that was nominated for Game of the Year at the Game Awards that I would have been upset if it won. Have I you think, played it? Yeah, okay. I feel like that right. it's fine. Okay. But come on, right. It's it, it's fine. It's but it's it's. I mean, it's 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 limbo. It's like a better limbo. Like, and I like right. limbo, but you're not going to tell me that limbo was in game of the year consideration for whatever year it came out. In. Right. I'm not okay, saying Mike. that 2D game can't be game of the year. I freaking gave that's what you're saying. Last year, you are you're bigoted against 2D games. I know you. I are. love 2D games. Gave it last year. Ori was game of the year. That's true. You did do that. Yeah, I did that. I just. That's a very. And it was a very forever. good game. Uh, and it was an indie game too, so you like were yeah indie games, two D games. You don't mind, you love everything, no, Mike. No, but like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, it, it, I don't want to get in that conversation. Like, it's not enough of a game, but I mean, you know, it the gamey parts of it are relatively simple. It's platforming and pulling switches to solve puzzles sometimes. So that's got well, a bit more creative than that, but you know, and Overwatch is better. So that was Overwatch decided. is better. We can definitely <laughs> say that. Yeah. All right, so Mike, I think that's going to bring us to the end. Yeah, the P. Can I say okay. P on this podcast? You cannot. P. No. You have to stop. This is awful. This is the worst thing that's happened on podcasting. P. All right, Mike. Uh, you just keep saying P, and I'm going to tell everyone. Uh, I, Dean is gone, but you can find him at Dean Takahashi on Twitter. I think that's right. Or Dean Tak. D-E-A-N-T-A-K. Um, Mike, why don't you tell everyone where they could find you? Okay. My address is 600... Uh, mm-hmm. East Western reason. No, uh, bring a, you bring can a baseball find me band. on Twitter at Tokoto T O L K O T O. Uh, you know, always go to Gamespeed, check out my writing there. And that'll be good enough. That's about probably all I want to see of you guys. Anyways. 
And he's got his other podcast. Tell him about that. Yes, the Exploding Barrel podcast. Listen to that. I, I changed my mind. I love you all again. Go to uh, <laughs> ebpodcast.com to look at that. And I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. I tweet too much. Um, and then I also sometimes make YouTube videos. You can get those on youtube.com forward slash Jeffrey Grubb. Mike, I think we've made some good decisions. We've decided we well. Decisions. We, we made, we definitely made decisions <laughs> like there. That cannot be argued. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you weren't here for this, Mike, but here's our new outro. No cats, no cats. Yeah. No cats. No, you can't say it with such glee. It's, it, it's hard. Yeah. No cats. Cats are awful. I'm, I like it. No cats. All right. No cats. <laughs>